When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Tony, this may be your last uh, podcast until you become very famous. <laughs> this is it, right? Yeah, this is it. Tony is moving on, spreading his wings, and tell everyone what you're going to be doing, what you've been working uh, on. I'm going to continue to create content, um, funny content, I guess you can say a little inspiring, but just being myself. Tony, ba- you basically have a bunch of deals with like different alcohol brands. Yeah. Tony directs is his social media. You can keep following Tony. I'm going to miss you, buddy, but we're friends. We're still getting dinner in two days. Yes. And I love you very much. (laughs) But uh, Tony's on his way out. And Hector now is getting trained in today. And we have my friend, Gina DeVee joining us yes and for the uh, farewell episode the farewell episode of tony <laughs> yeah we do and the first thing you ask gina is a uh lifestyle coach uh in so many ways i mean she was a therapist she's done business coaching lifestyle coaching been doing this a very long time in a lot of different capacities has a book called the audacity to be queen and uh, the book came out last year, was a big success, has helped a lot of women specifically, mm-hmm. which I wanted to ask you about the audacity to be king, you mm-hmm. know, if that's going to be a sequel book. But the first thing you asked me was, what do your people want? Right. I mean, we just got to be relevant right now. It's, we don't want to talk about anything. Like, what's going to be really Most impactful. Serving? Yeah. And so I did a survey on uh, my Coach Mike Bear Facebook. So those of you who filled this out, Thank you, because I said, hey, what, what should I talk about in this podcast? And the most votes was how being responsible for yourself and your actions, being humble and uh, not having big expectations in return. Another person said, which had a lot of votes, I just turned 66 and getting old is scary as hell. I'm still evolving, but I need help growing old gracefully. And the other was, uh, well, a few more that I'll give us, and then we can figure out what we want to dig into. Expectations for self and others. Expectations are a killer or downer. Expectations. Another, a bunch of votes got overthinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, another was how to stop negative self-talk and gain self-confidence. So which of those, Gina, do you feel most? I mean, they're really a bullseye. It's really relevant for what's going on with people. Yeah. Um... You know, let's start with the overthinking because I see that one a lot across Mm. the board and it's just such a killer for living a great life. So I think everyone can benefit from that. Yeah. Overthinking would imply um, overworking everything, overanalyzing everything, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that how you see it? Yeah, staying stuck in your head and using it as an excuse to say think that you're working on your life, your relationship, your weight, your business, whatever, um, but you're not. You're just hiding. Mm, explain. It's boring. You know, like I think like we're so past being perfect or having to get it right. Like we all know now that you learn from doing. Mm. And so like sitting there thinking about, well, should I make this post or that post? Should I start this business or go to school? Should I like all of like just the circling, like we know inside, check in, hear from yourself, make a decision, take an action because I don't know, but I'm sure the same as you, I would never be where I'm at today Mm. if I like waited to think up what I was going to do. I only learn from doing. Yeah. I think I, certain areas of life, where I've utilized overthinking. Uh, I'm not sure if the result was that different at the end of the day, but it surely exhausted a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. and it wasted a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And the sometimes we don't even know what we're thinking, so guessing what someone else is thinking. Mm-hmm. And that people are so archetypal. I always think conspiracy theorists are overthinkers. Hmm. What do you mean? Well... They don't know the facts, okay? 
they believe in conspiracies around the world or what's going on. Uh, they're not changing the world. Uh, it doesn't feel good to believe in conspiracies. It doesn't actually bring joy or freedom. It does get a lot of attention. It gets attention. If you can monetize it, sure. If you're someone who can be in media or influence and monetize conspiracy. But I don't think it creates much value and it can mm -hmm. be a rabbit hole. For sure. For sure. You know, the, the what the overthinking has done for me was had me miss out on opportunities. Mm. And I think that people, and I'll just refer to women since I work with women more, it's like, it's like, what's it going to cost me to do X, Y, Z, buy the shoes, take the course, take, go on the trip, whatever. And my biggest regrets are the unlived life. Mm. Nothing of what I've done, what I've messed on, all the mistakes I've made are what I regret. I regret all of the missed opportunities. Like what? Oh, man. I mean, anything from back in the, I mean, I was such the stuck in the good girl compliant mode. So I just like was so codependent, was just going to do what everyone else told me to do. So I grew up in like, go to college, get a job. Mm. I didn't want to go to college or get a job. I wanted to move to New York and uh, wait tables and try my thing at acting or travel. But like, yeah. you know, so like I missed out on that kind of mode. Um, there was there were probably like financial investments that I would have wanted to make. But I was like, oh, no, what if it doesn't work out? You know, um, definitely different business risks and ventures that I was like playing it safe. So now I'm like kind of done a pendulum swing. I'm like, let's try it. Let's learn from it. Let's see what happens. So right. I'm like not overthinking a thing in my life, which is why I had a lot of compassion for whoever brought that up. What do you do when you're struggling or someone you love is struggling? Whether it's depression, anxiety, drugs, alcohol, maybe a combination of all of them. What do you do? Do you go on Google? What resource do you have to help someone or yourself. Well, I've owned a treatment center for over 15 years called CAST Centers. It's a leading dual diagnosis treatment facility in Los Angeles, California. We take most major insurance policies. We're in network with Blue Cross and MHN, and we're here to help. You can go to our website at castcenters.com. That's C-A-S-T centers.com. We're called cast centers because like a cast that holds a broken bone in place till it can heal, we do the same thing with all mental health issues. So you can give us a call at 877-657-8967 so we can give you or a loved one the freedom to be your best self. So one risk that I just decided to take was we were just in Mexico and I was like, said to my husband, where are we? Like, I thought we were going to Cabo. I had caftans, mm. hoop earrings. I was like ready. And uh, we were like, we're driving down this dusty road outside of Cabo, like an hour. And um, like nobody in this town has TVs either. And I was like, ah. And I'm like, I just wanted to like chill out on vacation. And as soon as we got there, I just sunk in. And I was like mm. looking at the stars and everything felt so great. And I was like, where are we going to eat? And I, we like went through this dusty gate and it's like this tropical oasis with green juices and almond milk lattes, gorgeous food. Um, I love that. That's the descriptor. It's like not, it's like almond milk lattes and green juices. Right? It was like, well, this is me. I eat everything, but it was just like. You Un know, unexpected. You can only have so much guacamole and chips, you know, it's yeah. like it's a certain point you need a diversion. And so I went like from like, where the fuck are we to, I really like it here. And then I was mm. like, let's call a realtor. And like, we started looking for property and then I couldn't find anything I liked. And a friend of mine moved down there and she's like, Gina, I know of a lot, an oceanfront lot that's like not even on the market yet. And we went and looked at it the next day and I was like, we're putting an offer in. Wow. And Glenn looks at me and he's like, and I was like, why not? Like, when are we ever not going to love Mexico? Mm. Like, oceanfront Mexico, great weather all the time, two hours from LA. Why not? Property prices are soaring. We've never built a house. That'd be a fun adventure. Why not? Yeah. So you'll have to come visit. Yeah, I'll definitely come visit. I, I know what you mean with just making decisions. You know, I just went to Brazil a few times in the last two months and uh, looking to buy a place in either Sao Paulo or Rio. I'm still figuring it out. But 
one of my dreams has always been to live in another city or country. Mm-hmm. Um, at least half the year live in another country. I admire a lot of people who come to the U.S. or families come to the U.S. because it's not easy, especially mm-hmm. the English language is not easy. So um, I, like you, as I'm getting older, I, you know, life goes by and either we take some risks, which at the end of the day, we always end up okay. Right. And it becomes a new experience and we learn and we always end up okay. And there's this belief that you need to have a lot of money and you must be rich in order to do this. That's not true. A lot of people who come here or who live in other countries come with nothing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's about figuring it out and getting creative. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I'm not in that spot where I do have the luxury of choice and location, but uh, that's pretty awesome that you're uh, pursuing Mexico and uh, having that experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was broke, that's when I probably had the biggest growth trajectory because I had nothing to lose. Yeah. I was like, sure, I'll sign up for that course. Sure, I'll start that business. And for I sure. grew a lot and it, it strengthened me. I'm so proud of those times. And then when like I got more successful, it got a little cushier I, for all of us and myself included. I call that the danger zone. You're right. It's like that's where mediocrity sits. And even though your life looks great, but if you're not growing, what's the Yeah, point? you know, you're right. I worked at Caribou Coffee, YMCA, went to school, um, and I had a, oh, I had a job as a tech where I did overnight, you know, midnight to 8 a.m. making whatever it was, $8.50 an hour um, as a job. And the way it pushes you to get creative and learn and grow and evolve and understand what it's like to be an employee, mm-hmm. what it's like to be a professional, uh, what it's like to run a bad business, what it's like to run a corporate business, and just... I remember literally putting pennies together to buy a sandwich at D'Amico and Sons. Mm. The problem is, uh, I don't know whose album was, Broke with Expensive Taste. I think that maybe is Azalea Banks or something, but that's how it was. (laughs) I was broke with expensive taste. So I didn't want a certain, I wanted the D'Amico and Sons sandwich, which was more expensive than the, you know, Ralph sandwich. But I had to figure it out and, you know, and, it's uh, we can overthink everything, and I know for me, I've gone through periods where I definitely have overthought um, things that are simple. You know, there's this, it's like keep it simple, stupid. That and, surprises me about you because you seem pretty drama free. Mm, I think I'm. Uh, it depends what it is. Fair enough. You know? We all have our area. We all have our area. We all have our trigger. We all have areas we have to grow up. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Even as adults. We just don't want to change. Mm-hmm. But we have to. And so for me, um, I've overthought a lot. Especially in my career since writing books. And you know how it is as an author. You know, it'd be great to to believe that just... God came down and said, write pen to paper, and it was knocked out in a month. I saw you at my brother's wedding, and you were going through revisions, and you know how much work it takes to put into a book. It's not that easy. The hardest thing I've done in my career, and the fact that it's selling for $27 that's that's the joke right like not even 27 probably on amazon you can get right? it for 21 well, yeah or when it came out i'm like i did all this work for 27 dollars, but i can go sell a coaching program for thousands and like yeah you know. and and it's hard to get people to read the book and to stick with the book because uh, i don't know the exact numbers but i think it's like over 80 percent don't get past the first chapter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they don't get past the first chapter because books are impulse buys and then how do you keep someone engaged? And we overthink every paragraph, how we don't talk to people. I don't know about you, but me, I'll overthink, oh, do I sound, am I being authentic? Do I really believe this? Is this story as colorful as I want it to be? Am I capturing the audience the way I wanted to? Should I put this section in this area? How do I not lose someone by chapter two? How do I keep someone by chapter three? Oh my God, this shit's so boring. God, I'm boring myself reading this. Is anyone going to like this? And then, wow, this is really amazing. Yeah, and then you go back and you're like, (laughs) 
wow, I'm really proud of this. So tell me with your the audacity to be queen, mm-hmm. what made you write this book? The number one reason is, so I really positioned myself to be the luxury brand of personal development. It was just the area that I wanted to focus on. Talk about being broke and having expensive taste. It was like, that was just... Um, I started out and I didn't have a lot of volume. And so I couldn't charge low dollars and even be able to pay the rent. Mm. But I figured out if I sold one $6,000 package, I could pay my bills that month. Yeah. So that's kind of how it started out. And, um, and I've also been very high touch, low tech, like internally, I'm kind of a 180 year old white man when it comes to technology. Like uh-huh. my husband has to like do all the uploads and downloads. I'm like, oh. um, so it wasn't until I had more mass. And so after 20 years of doing seminars and coaching and being in the trenches, there was this body of work that I really wanted to make accessible because I saw how many lives really were changed um, by getting into their queenhood. And so I wanted to make it accessible. And by that time, I was financially sound enough that I could take time off, write the book. And I really wanted, I did actually want a $27 like uh, access point for people. But what what was the biggest challenge with writing the book? Oh God, the biggest challenge probably was I thought I was going to be great at it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I write all the time in my career. I spe- I'm like, I'm just going to pick up my phone and talk into this. Someone's going to transcribe. This is going to be done in no time. Yeah. And I remember uh, Jen Sincero, who was my client and then became the best-selling author of Badass Books. She was like, well, it's not usually how it works, but if anyone could do it, it's you. And I was like, of course it's me. And so like, first I like, I like opened up the document, you know, there's that blank page when you're looking at Word document. And I was like, oh God, the first line has to be everything. (laughs) What the fuck am I going to say? And then I was like, all right, I'm getting my phone out. And like, I started talking into it. I was like, oh, this isn't working either. It's like, and so I got into it. One of the cool things was I found out my writing voice uh-huh. Is completely different than my speaking voice. Oh, yeah. Had no idea. Yeah. No idea. Used totally different words in the book than I do when I talk. And then um, Catherine Woodward Thomas of Calling on the One, she's a good friend of mine, and, and she said, what are you doing? I'm like, writing my book. She goes, oh, the agony and the ecstasy. And I was like, what's she talking about? This is going to be great. And then I like got into it. Um, it was torture. For me, it was, I don't know why it was a hard, it was, it's my body of work. I, like, it was so hard. And then I remember I woke up after like living in my bathrobe for, I don't know, however many months it was at that yeah. time. And I looked at the calendar and this days and I was like, only 47 more days of hell. And I was like, Gina, you're writing how to live your best life. Yep. And there's a whole chapter on brain training. And I'm like, maybe you ought to apply it. So I'm like, I'm a great writer. People are going to love this. Writing comes easily to me. And I, it worked. And the last 47 days were actually kind of fun. And I like got in a groove with it. So yeah. just had to take But, but you're not uh, uh, fired up to write another book today. No. No, <laughs> way more people was, need to read this. What was this the biggest lesson you learned after writing a book, after getting a deal with a publisher, mm-hmm. and you know coming out with the book? What was kind of the some lessons you learned? If anyone wants to wait twenty years to write their first book, they should definitely launch it the first week of a global pandemic. <laughs> it came out March third, twenty twenty. Yeah, so I had a whole international book tour plan. Was so excited to like sign the books and stand next yeah. to people and had the balloons ordered and the whole thing. Um, the blessing of that was like I have one of the exercises in my book is I'm thrilled this is happening because so I have this whole thing like nothing bad is happening to you and you can just turn your mindset around and like I had all like the things and like I had to apply that in at a time in an area when I did not want to explain this exercise to me. So it came from a time I got involved in a legal issue in Washington, D.C. back in the day. And it was like this super dark, awful, dark night of the soul. And I remember thinking like I was going to die. Like it was just, you know, I didn't. But like, you know, it yeah, was just so that. stressful. It was it's almost you're not sleeping. Right. My life is over. Right. And I'm 21. Whereas today it's totally different. <laughs> but back then when you go through your first lawsuit or your first time you someone sends you anything legally or the first time you're deceived hardcore in business you think it's the end of the world people are you know publicly shaming you so 
I was like, and I remember sitting there and I've always had a strong faith and relationship with God. And I, I was just praying and I was like, make this go away, make this go away. And I, I was like, I need a miracle. And it was like, the words dropped into my lap. I'm thrilled this is happening because. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not. And I'm like, I'm thrilled this is happening because. And it was like, I was a witness to a thing. So I was, I had to like, go to Washington to testify, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, kind of like joking around with God. I was like, well, I get a free trip to DC and I can visit my friends. <laughs> but I could started to feel my brain turn. I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm thrilled this is happening because I did nothing wrong and I have an opportunity to take a stand for myself rather than expecting everyone else to do for me what I need to do for myself. Mm. Okay, I'm thrilled this is happening. So it was just, and it was literally like this, the worst thing in my life became not fun, but it became, I'm thrilled this is happening because of all of the gifts it was giving me. And so I have applied that to everything. And sometimes I have to adjust my definition of thrilled, but when yeah. everything got canceled on March 3rd, I was like, I'm thrilled my book tour got canceled because, and I was like, um, because I didn't have any podcasts planned and I can now go virtual and I can do my book tour virtual and I'll actually meet more people that way than mm. I would in the room. I'm thrilled this is happening because, all right, I was going to be willing to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and do all the morning shows and fly across the world on my dime but now i get to sit in my living room from zoom and call my publicist and be like get me chicago get me new york get me austin whatever yeah. like okay i'm thrilled this is happening because i'm like i wrote this book not just to make book sales i actually wanted people to read it yeah and um people were home and they could read books so i found my i'm thrilled this is happening because i love it i'm thrilled this is happening because it's i mean I think too, it's, it's easy with anything where people can say, yeah, but what about that person? Mm -hmm. But really when you define it for yourself, because, um, to, it's almost when we start projecting, um, well, what if, you know, there's no God because, or what about the person who was grew up in this? Mm-hmm. Okay. But you're not them. So why don't, everyone when, has their own unique journey. And when you ask them, they find it. I was working with a client, a private client recently, and she's in a, in my opinion, like a horrible, horrible, horrible situation. And I didn't have the answer for her. But as a coach, it's not our job. People find it for themselves. And I just said, okay, we'll call her Jane. Okay, Jane, this is happening for you, not to you. So let's find it. I, I'm thrilled such and such happened because, and she closed her eyes and she went in and she got, there were tears streaming down her face and she got the most profound explanation for herself that I could never have come up with, didn't see mm. as a transformational coach. She got it for herself. So the human spirit will win. Do you have anything going on that you're thrilled that it's happening because? I mean, yeah, I think I'm thrilled of, uh, like, you know, departing because I'm like, I get to like, just, I got to go to Florida. Like yeah. I told you, I just booked the one flight and I had an amazing time. I got to relax and also film a lot of content more than I thought I was going to film. So I'm thrilled because I got an opportunity to just go and make something happen. Yeah. Make something, nothing into something. Yeah. It's a whole mindset change. And we get so stuck and overwhelmed sometimes. Yeah. Well, yeah, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And sometimes when we feel really like it's too heavy, mm -hmm. it's hard to pull ourselves out of it. But that's why it's so important also to have other people mm -hmm. who are good for us. And I know that one of the other questions people had was, how do we change our expectations of people? How you do know? we change our expectations yeah. of other people? Yeah. I think I struggle with this more in business than I do in my personal life today. Oh, like expecting people to show up for you or yeah, save expecting the day, expecting you know this is the person's job description and you know you never have to manage it. 
But I'm thrilled that's happening because then I get to manage it. Then I get to show up more. Then I get to be a better leader. I get to et cetera, et cetera, right? But I think people's expectations of others um, is uh, maybe misguided in outside of transactional business. Maybe it's a little bit different than uh, what some of the my audience is talking about with expectations. Well, I think we, I mean, we all know that when we have certain expectations of other people, we're going to be let down, Mm. right? Because people are human and they're going to do what they need to do. Um, But it also underneath that, it's because we've made someone else source in some way. What? We've made someone else source in some way. Mm. Like we've made them the source of our happiness Ah. or our big break or taking stuff off our plate and our free time or whatever. And we will always be let down when you make anyone else or anything source. Right. So when you go back to self-sourcing, mm. you will never be let down. So I don't trust anybody. But that doesn't mean I don't trust people. I don't need to trust people. You don't trust that people are going to make you feel better or worse about yourself. I, I, I don't. Because when I do, I'm in pain. Right. And when I go back to self-sourcing, I don't need to trust anybody. How do you do that in a relationship, though, to your husband? In in what way in particular? In terms of expectations. So people are people. And Glenn and I have an amazing relationship. And that's it's really about communication. You know, it's like, and, and agreements... And not making anything more or less mm. than that. Because at the end of the day, this is my life. I am responsible for my life. I am mm. capable of creating, having, being, doing anything in my life. Right. It has nothing to do with any other human, including my soulmate. Right. There is no source that is going to make us suffer if we make a decision to not allow it to be the source that could make us suffer. But at the same time, we can love, we can have amazing feeling, but it's not allowing that source to dictate our experience of life. Glenn is not the source of my happiness. The challenge is when we're kids, we don't really have a choice in a lot of ways. For sure. We don't have the tools. We're not taught this in school. Mm -mm. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You know, there is no mental health course. Mm-hmm. There's no self-development course. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, it's more push-ups and pull-ups. And Lord knows there's so... I mean, look, I'm not saying I had the easiest family to grow up in, but there is so many people that are parents that thank God I'm not the, I was not their kid. Because <laughs> uh, there's some... Tra- there, is, there, there should be a vetting process for parenthood, in my opinion. <laughs> Because there should be certain criteria, like getting a driver's license, where if you can't uh, check these boxes in a clear, clean and clear way, you shouldn't be a parent. I really think this. Unfortunately, society, I believe, needs to manage who is given the gift of parenthood today. Now, I'm not saying we should abolish parenthood, but there should just, I wish, I know it's not of even, course. it's theoretical, but. Good news, God's got it. Yeah. You think so? I know so. So do you. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like my relationship with God is overall is just an interesting topic. Okay. Sometimes I think God is a wizard in the sky. That's what I believe. <laughs> sometimes, depending on the experience. Okay. Sometimes I think God is ultimate compassion and love. Sometimes I think that uh, it's the spiritual principles of honesty, integrity, knowing values, okay. and that the more synced up I am with who I am authentically, the more in alignment I feel with this greater power. Okay. And I get really confused by the solar system. Astrolo- That's the only part with Astrologically God. Astrologically or, uni- or universe That's the only part with God where I sometimes get confused. Talk to me. Because I, so let's say God created the solar system. Okay. We don't know much about it. Okay. We know there's all these stars and planets mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we know Uranus. 
you know, the gay planet, and we know uh, <laughs> Venus, you know, the drag queen planet, and um, what are some of the Pluto, you know, that one's a little tiny one far away. But there's so many planets, so many planets. And sometimes I wonder, well, I don't know. What if God is oversees Earth and another God oversees another planet? Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden I start thinking that I'm believing in Greek gods. Okay. Which becomes a little out there. But I my relationship to, quote, spirituality, for me, changes every day. And then sometimes I go back to what it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the, it's the great mystery because we don't know. And as soon as we become confirmed that we know God's will, let's say, Mm -hmm. I think that's when it gets dangerous and that's when we get wars and that's when we get conflict and that's when we get people who, we're all humans, we're all imperfect in our own way, perfectly imperfect. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I think when we say, this is God's will for mm-hmm. someone else or mm-hmm. it really resonates with you. I can tell. Oh, it's just so weird to me. I mean, it's just strange. Well, do you know about the four stages of spirituality? Talk to me about the okay, four stages. Okay, because I think, I think you might like this one. Tell me. So I did not make this up. This is according to Scott Peck. This is in one of Scott's – it's like the different drummer or one of his books, and I'm super paraphrasing because I read it like 20 years ago. But – Stage one spirituality is actually antisocial behavior. It's drug addiction. It's criminal mm. behavior. It's mayhem. Mayhem. It's chaos. It's all right. things upside down and all all down. things self sabotage. Yes. Stage two spirituality is this black or white, all or none, good or bad, right or wrong. So mm. examples of stage two spirituality are organized religion, mm. corporate America, military, prison system, 12-step even, mm. because it's like this is the way it's done and this is the way it's not done. And if it's do- not done this way, there's consequences. It's don't think, don't drink, go to meetings. It's this is God's will. You're allowed to do this according to the Bible or the Quran or whatever. Whatever it is. Stage three is more the shades of gray. Mm-hmm. Well, divorce is right for someone based on this and it's not right for someone based on that um and stage four is mysticism Mm -hmm. so what i hear you saying that you don't resonate with is this stage two spirituality like this is god's will like the where um but i there there are positives to all of them and i think in different areas of our life we can be in stage one through four in like, you know, somebody might need. So the reason why whatever drug addicts become born again, Christians is because they're moving from stage one to stage two. It's like there's structure, there's boundaries, there's rules. But what if the stages imply that one is better than another? There isn't a better than another. So for example, with working out, I'm very stage two. Which means you cannot trust me with working out. If, if this body is going to move, there's going to be a trainer. His name happens to be Ben, and he is going to be at the other end of Zoom. Because it's like, I'm not like, stage three is like, well, should I work out today or not? If Gina doesn't work out one day, I won't work out for five months. I'm gone. Like, it's just that. So I'm like back to stage one, basically, with working out. So I have to be in, I see Ben Monday through Friday, Mm. five days a week. It's structured. It's not like, do I feel like it or not? I happen to be stage three with alcohol. I could have a drink tonight. I don't have to have a drink tonight. I could have two glasses. Like, it's like I can, I'm more stage three with that. Um, And then stage four is mysticism. So I think that in our lives, we can just, find obvious what does mysticism mean well i think everyone gets to define it for themselves but i just got out of a joe dispenza week-long meditation retreat so have you ever done one of those uh i've done meditation retreats but the joe dispenza accessing the quantum field i loved it um i would say that the work that he's doing is is truly mystical i think that we have a modern day mystic in our realm um where you're through meditation, actually accessing the quantum field. But don't you think then that's just creating another version of what people find in church that they believe is the modern day uh, leader? 
because I hear on the outside, right? Like I've heard of him. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And I heard he healed his injuries and mm-hmm. and he's powerful. Mm-hmm. But I'm such a skeptic. Mm-hmm. Um, but people that that's the thing to me is like when we experience another human being who's extremely helpful, we kind of have this mentality too where we want to believe so much of what they say because it's helped us so much. This one's different. He's not playing the guru game. No. He's teaching meditation so people can access their own truth. So it's not... It's like it's like different types of breaths. It, and... it is. Yes, he gets into a bit of a kundalini situation. And, and there's other types of meditations that he teaches. But the yeah. reason he teaches meditation is for you to find your own answers. So what is your belief in God? Like, how do you see God? God, universe, spirit, source, yeah, higher the... power. Planets. Wizard in the sky. Yeah. Um, I'm not so much wizard in the sky anymore. Yeah. I used to be. I you know, grew up in fundamentalist Christianity. So yeah. I, I, I know stage two really well when it comes to religion. Um, for me now, it's much more integrated of realizing the co-creation of that there there is a quantum field, a higher power, God universe, mm-hmm. and that power also lives in me. Um, so it feels for me very unified at this point. Uh, I know what this is going to sound like, but I don't have better words than this right now. <laughs> like being at one with the universe. Right. More connected in all ways. Yes. Feeling safe and and grounded in my relationship with the divine. And accepting of what comes your way. Accepting that I probably created it. Right. Or that I did create it. Right. It is a good feeling when we feel, um, you know, in recovery, there's a lot of God's will versus your own will. Yes. And God's, or for some people, God could be stand for good orderly direction mm-hmm. or ego edging God out. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, it is remarkable when we can be in the moment and experience and listen to someone else in the moment. Um, I've been using my phone so much less and I find I am way more spiritual uh, by not using social media as much. Mm-hmm. So much more spiritual. So much happier. More free. Mm-hmm. Less overthinking, less more interacting with humans. It's like human more thing, more right? showing up and being able to realize that my telephone's not that important. You know, it, it becomes a coping mechanism. Checking text messages, checking social media, uh, checking numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, I find when I can connect with others and be present, it I feel more of a presence of this alignment, creation, God, whatever it is. And the less distractions there are, the more clearer I get. Totally. You know? And that it's just a reminder that sometimes, you know, I was doing a meditation earlier today, and the meditation was about that um, not to force creativity. Mm. That creativity comes when you sit still and when you're quiet and I was sitting still and I was looking at the beautiful leaves on the plants in the backyard and how incredible the lines are like whether it was the wizard or god or whoever created this freaking plant they did it in such a way or a combination of the two where these plants have such harmony Mm. and they're beautiful and they're also different. Same with animals, same with dogs, same with cats, same with humans, you know, and being able to really appreciate and be in the moment and feel safe. I find for me, I overthink when I don't feel safe. And sometimes safety really comes down to fear that somehow I'm going to be protecting myself whether it be in business or whether it be a conversation with someone. And the more I can feel in alignment and feel safe, 
and in the moment, the more I can connect with my truth. And meditation, like you, what you just experienced and what I've been doing every day now, is such a way to reconnect with who we are totally. in a world where everything's about connecting in ways that aren't necessarily for me uh, fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. Same, same. It, you know, we've spent this last month in Mexico, haven't watched TV, been off our phones. Like the evening activity is watching the sunset turn into the stars. You know, it's just, it, 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 we, and all of us have been off our phones. We have friends down there too. And we're actually at dinner looking into each other's eyes talking. Yeah. And it's like, we came back to the States and like someone at dinner, like picked up their phone at the table and it, it almost, it was weird. It was like, what are you doing? Like it was, it was such a genuinely a sacred space right. being, being present with humans and enjoying. And listening, you know, the cool thing too, is when you, experience with someone else and there's no phones it forces and you're not showing anything on the phone Mm -hmm. it forces interesting conversations and also it allows you to hear where someone's at in their life Mm -hmm. you know it's a really cool experience you know it's been really exciting for me because during covid we were so isolated that i really forgot about the the magic that happens when we get to connect with other humans, not in a literally could just be sitting, drinking coffee and understanding what they're thinking about the world and life. And I had another friend over yesterday and we connected just about how, you know, each day we get to look back on our life in that day and we get to decide what do, do I, do I want to improve anything? How did the day feel? What did I love? What do I really love? What created anxiety? What are my triggers? What's upsetting? Am I still upset about something? How do I shake it? And that's, um, whether that's spirituality or just loving life, I've, I've been experiencing a new uh, excitement. And... Uh, I have the audacity to be king. (laughs) And I don't think that that book is for women that you wrote primarily, right? It is a personal development book. And I've had many, many men read it and learn from it. But it is geared towards women. I have a question. I want to go back to what you said about trust. You said you don't trust people. No. What's I don't like not a, trust them either. You do not trust people. But what's like a huge, we call it, it's it's a big thing right now on social media, red flags. Mm-hmm. What's like a huge red flag where you just cannot even put any trust into someone? Where like you, you can give someone a chance to give them a, a certain amount of trust. But when what's like a when the line is drawn where you're like, I can't trust you? I So for me, because I already don't trust anyone because I don't need to. Okay. You know, it's it's not that I have a wall up. I just it's like it, where I was saying is it's not where I place my sourcing. In terms of the humans in my life, whether online or in person, it's as simple as does this feel good? Mm. Does it feel good to be like am I excited to be around them? Am I am I feeling more expansive? Am I feeling forced? Am I feeling like I got to think about this? Is it mm. feeling heavy? Am I annoyed? Is it feeling tight? It's all for me around the, the feeling. And I've stopped judging that or overthinking it and just let it be what it is. Because for me, it used to be like, well, maybe I'm being too judgmental. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I need to give them more of a chance. Maybe I, you know, I'm, I'm 49. So I'm just like, and now I'm just calling it for myself. Yeah. doesn't feel good being around this person. If that changes in the future, great. Um, I don't need to burn bridges over it. It's just, it's kind of a thank you next. It's There's 7.8 billion people <laughs> in the world. Like, move on. Yeah, I feel like you have a very small circle of friends. Like a tight, small circle of friends. Um, and- she knows a lot of people. Yeah. She knows a lot of friends. <laughs> you know what? I One of the chapters is called Born to Belong. And almost up until the time I wrote the book, I knew a lot of people, but had hardly any friends. Mm. And I wrote about what a loner I actually was. Um, 
because it just didn't feel like I belonged. And I, I made, that was a story I made up obviously to protect myself. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like I would watch girls on social media going on like boating trips together or whatever. And I'd be like, eh, they're shallow or the, 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 I was like, no, I want to be there. (laughs) And so I just started saying, literally reprogramming my mind that I value community and friendship. And for me, I've always had a great relationship with my husband, but I took myself out of the game with the other. And as soon as I started making community a real value of mine, not just even something that I wanted, I do now have really genuinely rich relationships um and a lot of them and and we also kind of like let things ebb and flow many of them are Mm. on other continents or in my same and like and sometimes you're just excited about the same things with people and other times someone's got to veer off a little bit um i just i have no guilt or obligation to pick up the phone answer a text be in a conversation if it doesn't feel amazing gotcha that's good to know i love that (laughs) <laughs> and with team, you don't trust you train. Nice. I don't. I, I don't trust any of my team members. I train them, and then when I know that they're trained, and if they're able to follow the training, then it's a great experience for all of us. And if it's not, thank you next. Yeah. Okay. I think uh, it's interesting because when you talk about trust, for me, most of my life, I haven't felt safe. Mm-hmm. Um, safe. Uh, ever since uh, realizing I was gay is when I started to feel unsafe. How old were you? Well, even before that, I should say safe in my own family. If I really look, I mean, it kind of added on, right? It's a snowball. But this idea of this uh, pain for hating myself and not having an answer and not having the coping skills. I mean, this is me overthinking and deciding why I didn't feel safe with anyone in life. But I've, until recently, you know, I I wouldn't get in a lot of intimate relationships. And I thought, oh, that's just because I like to be single. I like to date, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I, it's okay. And, and it, there's truth in that. But in a lot of my friendships, I, and, and relationships, um, I've realized that it takes work that's enjoyable and requires vulnerability to deepen and enrich relationships. You know, even with Tony departing and this being his last podcast, I genuinely love Tony. And Tony has done a lot of work for me. He grew my freaking TikTok account from 60 followers to 350,000 followers. Granted, you know, I ended up in a Speedo (laughs) and I don't know how credible it was for me as a coach, but... At the same time, pretty sure I saw that one. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people did. That was all. Uh, that's all Tony. <laughs> but you know, it's it's how to be able to communicate with people that we care about, mm-hmm. not project and dump our own issues on them. Look at our side of the street. Look at where are we needing to grow up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've really been excited about a challenge for myself to feel even safer in relationships with friends and family. Um, because, uh, I, that's what I have to own. If I want to deepen my relationships, you know, I can't look for that one thing in someone else. That's going to make me go, ah, can't trust them Mm -hmm. for me. I mean, this is my own language around. It's similar with like, can't, I need, I have to practice um, uh, communicating with the source Mm -hmm. to uh, enrich, which really it's a spiritual experience. And nine times out of 10 or even more, when we're able to get vulnerable and not blame and talk about our own feelings, people love us even more. Even more. And they feel even more safe with us. It goes even deeper. For sure. Right? For sure. Those conversations that we think are going to ruin the friendship or we want to take the easy way. I'm just not going to talk to her anymore. You know, I'm going to talk to like, you know, I'm going to yeah. mute them. At, you know, like I'm going to unfollow. Right. Just like 
I don't need that in my life. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a place for that. For sure. But not with the ones that you know that you care about. And it's that temptation to um, risk being vulnerable and, you know, or looking like an idiot or whatever your, your thing is around it, um, you know, or, or just to like risk I also looking or feeling weak, like, hey, that really hurt my feelings mm. or I was sad when this happened, you know. Or the story I told myself was this mm-hmm. or when you said this, this was my experience or yeah. So this is, look, I know we're out of time, but if you're around, by the way, um, on Wednesday, if you want to go with me to lunch, you're here till Thursday, right? I am. I am. Let me, I would love to. Let me see what's going on. Yeah. I, I know a spot I would take you, which I know you'll love. Cool. Because it <laughs> definitely, definitely has the audacity to be queen okay, there. Great. So I think you'll, uh, this will be right up your alley. So everyone make, make sure to uh, check out Jean DeVee's book, The Audacity to Be Queen. Follow her on social media. Let me know if this helps answer uh, some of your questions around overthinking and expectations and God. I know some of you will be like, no, Mike, there's only one God. You don't need to tell me that. Okay. Like I'm not. I'm you can not, tell me that. Go for it. <laughs> I'm not the audience. I'm not the audience for that. Like maybe your God's telling you to do that, but I'm you not. You can DM the, me. I got you, girl. girl. You go for it. For me, I'm all about if it's working for you, keep working yeah. it, but don't tell me what to do. Yeah. Okay. And then everyone go make sure to follow up Tony directs on social media. Uh, I do text uh, many of you subscribe to my text message where I text you inspiring thoughts, random meditations and other great things. So text me at 310-984-1858. I also have our private coach Mike Bear group. We just had an energy and shift party and we had uh, so many of you couldn't log in, but we still had around 500 people from different times on this zoom party that i threw so we're gonna do more of those i'll announce it on facebook and just uh keep it magical and we'll keep it going and thank you both for joining me today it's been a pleasure thanks for having me